Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of The Hollywood Podcast, covering the latest in film, TV, streaming, and social media. I'm your host, Max Geshwind. Stay tuned for today's episode. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in. And I'm so happy to be joined today by writer, actor, comedian, Christina Wong, who's been performing her heartwarming, hilarious, deeply personal one-person play, Sweatshop Overlord, which is now here in LA at the Kirk Mm -hmm. Douglas Theater, marking its Los Angeles premiere. It's received the Drama Desk Award, the Outer Critics Circle Award. Um, Wong's been named a Pulitzer Prize finalist in drama this past year in 2022. And she's also an elected representative in her own right of her community, (laughs) serving as the, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're a neighborhood council member of the Koreatown Wilshire Center Neighborhood Council. Yep. Um, And that community obviously is at the forefront and really lays the foundation of um, the story that you're telling in this um, show. So um, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me, Christina. Oh, no problem. Um, so I want to, um, you know, before getting into the play, I want to talk about what your inspiration was behind spearheading what ended up really being this nationwide collective of aunties across the really from, you know, across the country to sew masks early on in the pandemic. I believe it ended up being 350,000 masks yes. um, that you and this, you know, um, nationwide um, collective of aunties ended up sewing. What what was the inspiration <laughs> behind that? The inspiration was, oh my God, we're all going to die. And um, nurses are going to the hospitals with no protection. And um, yeah, no, I actually did not think this was going to be a national thing. I did not think this was going to go on so long. If you had told me at the top of this, even knowing that all these, that there was a show and an award at the end of this, I don't know that I would have done it. It was so stressful Um, But it was just like a thing that just kept going and going. And how do you say, I've never as an artist been in the position where my labor is the difference between life or death for other people. And suddenly here was the situation where my one essential skill of sewing and me sitting at my Hello Kitty sewing machine and making a few masks could be the difference between life or death for different people. So, I mean, that's really where it started. It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to start a national collective. It's going to go on for 16 months. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to exploit the labor of my mother and her friends and children and call, be called a hero. Like none of this was anticipated. <laughs> it was really, I had, we all had thought it was just going to be a stopgap. But as uh, a lot of things with this country, the things that are supposed to be temporary go on forever because we don't have, a, we don't have the, the larger safety net in place. Right. Um, how soon did you realize that this network of volunteers that you cultivated over these 16 months would lay the foundation for your next play and fit into your work as an artist? Yeah, you know, at the top of this, when I was running around, um, so, so to set some context for folks who don't understand, we didn't have, we were not prepared for this pandemic as a country, and we were not prepared for a home mm-hmm. sewing movement of masks. So it was not like there was a lot of elastic it's not like any of us had sewn masks the week before all this. Like we weren't experts at, at anything. We're all running around scrambling, reading efficacy, what few efficacy studies there were, you know, <laughs> trying to understand like what, how to do this. Um, and so, so much of starting this 
this group was like, because I was, I just needed some help. And people were, who were, were sort of on the sidelines, my friends who didn't know how to sew, some of them did step in and help by help deliver or drive things around. But some were just like panicking on me and were just like, can you make me a mask? Oh my God, can you send one to my mother? And, you know, and I get it. I get it that, that, that they were stressed out, but they were also like, is this going to be your next show? You should do a show on this. And I'm like, in what civilization that we hope to emerge and survive this? Do you like theater was like the last thing I ever thought we'd ever come back to, especially because it took so long for us to reopen. And, uh, but about a month in one of our aunties, Leilani Chan, who has a theater company was like, we're going to, we're trying to make zoom theater want to do something. And I'm like, no, I'm running around getting elastic. And she's like, no, I want you to be an artist right now. So that was like the first, it was just sort of like me running around the actual house on zoom telling these stories of what what I'd witnessed in like the last few weeks. Um, and then I just kept getting invitations to perform throughout the pandemic. And I would invite the aunties to tune in. So they would be in the chat and they would be in the, they would turn their cameras on for the Q and a. And, um, and, and yeah, I just started to build the show, but I, I actually, you know, I had no expectations that we would ever return, that it would ever play in real life. Cause in my mind, like it went from, thinking really far ahead in the future, you know, like this is how, okay. What I mean is before the pandemic theater would get booked two or three years ahead at a venue. And suddenly we were in a space where we're just going minute to minute, day to day. So, so when New York theater workshop invited me to premiere the show live in their space off Broadway, October, 2021, that seemed like so far away yet. It was only a few months. And, um, yeah. And so basically my last live by my last zoom show was in May, 2021. And then I took those months between to still live out parts of the show. <laughs> the last scene of the show actually takes place a few weeks before we even premiered. Um, it was unheard of for theater. Right. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, and, and I just been very happy that I feel very blessed that this has been able to have this life. Cause I just wasn't sure, is this going to be just a one-off thing? Is everyone going to be over this? Right. That was a huge concern. It's like, well, so like, cause Broadway opened in the summer, 2021. I was like, is anyone, are, are we going to be over the pandemic right. by then? <laughs> As it turns out, we're still in it. Yeah. And your sewing operation, I believe it sort of like disbanded in August. So for a yeah. couple of months later to premiere it in person for the first time in New York in October, just the proximity of how close you were to those experiences that you had over the course of those 16 months, it, you ought to, you, I would imagine you were at your most like, you know, emotional given the closeness of the events that just happened that you're now sharing with, you know, audiences. It almost felt like I was doing the nightly news right. on the stage, right? Like it was just like, this literally happened a few months ago and I'm telling you this on a stage now, but um yeah, I mean, I still feel very close to it because I, the aunties, LA has been really incredible. There's so many people who are part of this experience who are sitting in an audience watching it. That's, that's bringing out this whole thing. And, and um, something about this, we're, we're just, we're going to be at three years from uh, the first day that I talk about in the show on Sunday, this Sunday, right. March 12th, right? And it's, I don't know, I, th I feel like with time, we respond differently to the pandemic. I'm getting, a, the large reaction I'm getting is cathartic. 
and and I didn't know I needed this or I forgot that half of that happened. Yet it was three, you know, it was been the last three years. Yeah. I want to touch on the production design. Just your yes. sets are amazing. It's so vivid. It's so colorful. It, it just pops. I love your Hello Kitty sewing machine. That's really at, yeah. the, at, at the center of, <laughs> of it all. Um, can you talk about just the inspiration behind the colors and just all the props that we see on stage? Well, you, you can see me now because we're on Zoom <laughs> doing this interview, but yes. my cat is eating me. This is my yes. pandemic cat eating my arm. <laughs> Stop it. I'm trying to do it in a podcast. Um, I, 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 so Georgia Lee is the is the designer, and I my past shows I've sewn my own set pieces out of felt. Um, you know, with never with the expectation one day there's going to be a pandemic and I'm going to be making medical equipment, and um, and basically I just had a lot of conversations. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> um, but basically I had a lot of conversations with with Georgia about like, well, I feel like this is my house, but it's also a war bunker. And, and so I think she was really smart in finding things that are from the sewing world, like uh, pin cushions, those tomato pin cushions, giant seam ripper. Uh, and, and the original drawing she had come up with was a lot of clutter. Cause I'm like, look, my house is a mess. My house is such a mess. So it should also be a mess. It should just be a big mess. And Che's like, Che hates messes. Che hates messes. Che's director. <laughs> che, you. <laughs> but he's like, you're going to fall over everything. So, so I guess what we came up with was this other um, version of my home, my head, my war bunker. Um, and it plays a lot with scale, like all these sewing supplies that are in different enlarged sizes uh, that I use the way you use an Apple box or, or whatever on the stage. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about you performing the show here in LA because after a year of working on the show, you're finally, you know, coming back to your roots and have been performing it here in your yeah. home city. How personal is it for you to come back home and sharing this pandemic story to your hometown? It's like a long time coming. It's so long time coming. We had, uh, we've had a bunch of shows where aunties have just shown up. One one show, a lot of them showed up. They they all coordinated. They had a whole potluck before that I didn't get to go to because I had a matinee. But it's so emotional. I'm so much of the reason why I would do this. Because at the top of this, I was like, I'm not making a show about this. No one wants to relive this. What makes me so special? We're all living this. Why do we want to watch this again? But it felt very clear that I was witnessing a sort of generosity I'd never witnessed in my life. And and I felt that it was worth celebrating. And especially because our group started so much as um, Asian American women. And here we were also the face of the enemy in this moment. It felt like I just wanted to record that we had done this into history, at least with this show. So it feels so huge to be able to thank the aunties this way and honor them um, and their work with this piece. And, and just like emotions are coming out of me that like, I'm not, you know, I'm literally looking at them in the audience. It's huge. It's deep. Yeah. And it's such an amazing component. And it put faces on these women that helped you over yeah. the months, you know, having them show up on the screen of their faces. And yeah. It, and there's that, so that many more. Amazing. Yeah. There's so many. Yeah. There's there's eight, over 800 aunties. Right. But but I, I give you just a, a sliver look at all of them. Yeah. Um. So obviously the foundation of the show and the impetus for creating it was the pandemic, but you hit on 
basically all the issues that were going on during 2020 and 2021 with the BLM protests during the summer, the election, anti-Asian violence. Um, so along with COVID, it was just an all-encompassing look at the major events over the course of that year, but on a very micro level through your eyes, your um, experience. How difficult was it for you to fit all of these larger political and social events within a 90-minute So hard. I, listen, I don't like doing a solo show for 90 minutes. It's just the pandemic was so goddamn long right. that it's like, oh, I wish I could do the 60-minute show. On this, but there's, it just kept going and going. And um, it was hard because it was also like the way we tend to experience plot as an audience is totally counter to how the pandemic went. Like there was 20 false endings, a bunch of, you know, explode like way too many more deaths that like, you know, like if you look at what a plot structure usually looks like of a movie or whatever, a plot and a subplot, not like 20 crises all exploding at once. So um, yeah, it was really hard, but I think for me, the, what I had to constantly do as the writer is go, well, how did we respond to this as a sewing group? And that's what made this so unique is like, I never, I didn't really leave my neighborhood that much. Um, but yet I felt like everything that was happening in the world, we had a way to respond to as aunties. And that was usually to get protection to these communities that were getting hit really super hard, get masks to people who are voter, voter registrating volunteers for first time voters in Georgia. You know, there, there was a way we could like, there's an election coming. We could do something about that. There's fires. We could do something about that, you know? And um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's where that is, but it was hard. No. <laughs> and there's a lot I had to leave out a lot of, there was more crisis on that. Yeah. But that. it was definitely smart that you just tied it into what was at the core of the story, which was the sewing group. And even though the sewing group, the, you know, the launching pad of that was obviously the pandemic, you, you know, you shared what the point of view was through the lens of the sewing group of all these other events that were going on at the mm -hmm. time. Um, so did you find yourself just keep on adding more plot points to the show as you were working on it as yeah. you know, all this was coming up? Uh, yeah. My first version of the show a month in was a lot of me screaming about elastic and how exhausted I was coming in and out of my house. And, um, and then yeah. And then it just gets crazier and deeper and there's more stuff. So I, I, I would start to collapse scenes together if they sort of repeated ideas and there's a lot of repetition in the pandemic. Um, and, uh, but, but mostly trying to draw out all these little moments that, uh, <laughs> that just felt like, how the fuck am I as a unessential performance artist, the one who is, being called to deal with this. I mean, the, one of the craziest things, which I, I cover briefly in the show is there was an organizer who belongs to a tribe in Alaska, indigenous community. She, she lives here, but the tribe itself was in uh, 56 villages scattered across an area the size of Washington state. One third of those folks had COVID mm -hmm. and all the supplies that they were being sent were stuck in Anchorage, Alaska. And so she had figured out a way to get, if we, if we send our things to this address, she found a jet that would fly our masks to the villages. There's only one hospital serving this giant, you know, Washington state area. And, um, 
And I'm just like working out these needles with her, but I'm also barefoot in my house with no pants on going, how am I the one? <laughs> this is so crazy. Right. You know, but this was like most of my 16 months in the pandemic was suddenly thrust in this position of a first responder, which is something I've never been before. Right. So anyway. Uh, yeah. I mean, it just, I don't even know what the question was, but yeah, this is, it, it, that's what I had to keep like trying to capture for everybody is it, it, was this just me or is it all you? I mean, I was so confused when, remember when restaurants started opening and some people look so at home at restaurants and I'm like, have you been here this whole time? I'm so confused right now. If, if it just been me, like, you know, it was just like this disassociation that we couldn't remember <laughs> if we've all, you know, we haven't seen each other. Yeah. But sharing that story, you just did it. Just, it connects back to one of the themes of the show, which is the government's failure to prepare for something like this. And that yeah. it even came down to someone like you to, you know, orchestrate oh, this movement. Um, so, you know, the show is an encapsulation of just all of our collective memories and shared experiences during this time. And your show, I think, brings what we're sort of getting to the back of our mind, back to the forefront of our mind as we're walking out of the theater, just re-remembering all of these, all of these mm-hmm. um, things. Is there a particular message that you hope audiences take away from watching this and bringing all these memories back to the forefront of our thoughts? I think it comes down to these three questions I ask at the end is to kind of remember who helped you survive this. And for some folks, it's their partners or people they never got to meet, the postmen, the uh, the frontline workers, right? Like people you never interacted with that kind of kept our lives going, the farmers. Um, what do you hope for? Because I think, I think I started this moment thinking, oh my God, we're going to come together as humanity. We're going to come across political lines. We are all so interconnected with each other. And I think we miss that message. But I saw a glimmer of it inside the anti-sewing squad of what it could look like if strangers came together and supported each other. And I just wanted to share, you know, a glimpse of that possibility with the audience, because I think we just all are just so traumatized, right? And don't don't remember how this had happened. And I'm, I'm kind of afraid that it was if and when a, a, a really catastrophic viral strain comes again, that we'll be so jaded that we don't know what to do. But I do think there's something to be said about responding to crisis with generosity. And this doesn't mean just give away all your things, you know, so you're not taking care of yourself. But I, I mean, I watched, I watched eight-year-olds bake brownies for other aunties. I watched, you know, um, people who were unemployed and taking care of kids with autism also sew tons of masks, you know, like, the, like it was so incredible to see the lengths in which people were, were willing to, to help. And I don't know that we all got to witness and appreciate that generosity. And I'm just hoping, um, that the audience leaves feeling like it is possible to, to, to give when, when you feel like everything's been taken from you. Mm-hmm. And one line that's recurring throughout the play, which I'm sure you want audiences to keep in mind as you know, they're leaving the theater is it, I might be butchering it, but something along the lines of is America, a banana <laughs> Republic masquerading as a um, democracy. As a, yeah. <laughs> as a democracy. I don't know. Like yeah. I felt like I was Lord of the flies the whole first few weeks. I was like, where's the government? Where's anybody? Like, why am I fielding these phone calls? 
And how is it that I, you know, all I did was start a Facebook group and suddenly people are like, call Christina, call Christina. And I'm like on the phone with medical people and <laughs> big organizations and, and, and people in crisis. And I'm just like, how did I get handed the conch cell? You know, I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> I still, I, you know, and, and, and as someone who's actually an elected official, I can tell you it, we didn't get our meetings going back up for months on zoom. Most of our neighbor council, like unfortunately fell off because I think they just couldn't, they couldn't adapt tech, technology wise, or some of them rely on translation. So it was that much harder for them to jump in on the, on the meetings. And, um, and so, uh, yeah, yeah. I just, I, 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 I want to say that like my experience working in government and I don't work cause I'm, um, volunteer, but you know, you know, being an elected official versus doing mutual aid, mutual aid is faster and to the point and gets past all the bullshit. Um, it's not, it's, it's, it should be set up temporary as a temporary fix though. But I feel like more and more we're relying on these temporary things to sustain us because, you know, the, the systems like government capitalism, things like that are, are not working. So people, the community has to help fix itself. Right. Like when you're operating outside of the government and are able to avoid that bureaucracy, yeah. I guess you're able to get stuff done quicker, but it's not ideal, obviously, because by you the want... end, we had we had government. Sorry, we had government officials, yeah. a social worker asking me for masks and and uh, a hand sanitizer and dental kits. Right. And I'm just like, <laughs> Why are you asking me? Right. Like you're the government. <laughs> you're the actual government. And and I actually had all that stuff, right? Except for dental kits. But um yeah, so I um yeah, I I I I I it was a scary moment of of like I think we're just in a giant banana republic with lots of Uber Eats and food delivery services. But I don't know who's in charge right now. <laughs> right. Yeah, sorry, I, I interrupted your thought. No, no, you're all good. I I was just going to say it's amazing to see, you know, you talk about this, you know, very early on in COVID. And now as we fast forward three years, just the amount of acclaim that this show's gotten and the awards, as I mentioned at the top, that you've received from, you know, peers in the yeah. theater industry. It ought to be so humbling, but also surprising that, you know, what started off as a kernel of an idea ended up, you know, blossoming into this fully fledged, you know, one person play that's now traveling the country. I'm still in so much shock. I was like, this, this was the show I never wanted to make. This is, this was something I was just messing around on zoom, entertaining the aunties. I'm just like, this is so crazy <laughs> every night, but I feel very lucky. I mean, I kind of got my wish. Cause I remember at the top of this, we had these stitching bitches with the aunties where they would be, you know, refreshing each other on how to sew and giving each other tips on zoom and I was just like, I just, all I want, I don't want much. I just want, if there's ever a museum that remembers this pandemic into history, that there's a small mention that that people stepped up to sew masks. So it's not just like Asian women were being hate crimed in the street, but 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 just some some small acknowledgement of this work. But I guess I'm the museum. <laughs> I'm the one who had to... <laughs> history. Your show operates as a the traveling museum, museum yeah. as a way. Yeah, yeah. Um, my last question is, you know, I know the L.A. Uh, stop is wrapping up, but can we expect this to go anywhere else? Yes, the there's country? a few cities that the contracts have not been firmed up, but um, I, uh, I I need to let folks know because I'm the one carrying it. It's 
it's very hard for me to just say yes to every sure. city and I'm getting yeah. a lot of offers. It's just, um, it's really hard on my body. Uh, um, and I, I'm not saying I'm like, I'm not going anywhere, anywhere soon, but it's just, it's a lot. <laughs> so I, I have to be a little selective uh, into what cities and and how often I can do it because it's, yeah, it's just so hard. But, right. but yeah, there will be a, uh, at least, I, I want to say at least two more cities and we'll, we'll see how much, but hopefully there'll be other ways to figure out how to sustain this so that it can be experienced beyond me constantly replicating it in my body. Just record it. You know, put it on YouTube. Yeah, no, you would oh. think, but these freaking <laughs> these goddamn unions, these the, goddamn yes, unions. Yeah. I had to, I had to join Equity. Oh my god! I'm like, <laughs> and when I paid for my Equity thing, they were like, "Okay, here's you're gonna get a receipt, so you can take it to auditions." I'm like, "Auditions for what? I play myself." Like, <laughs> no, I play other things too, but you know, mostly play myself. But I'm like, this is so bizarre. Mm-hmm. I have to- <laughs> well, I'm sure that once the contracts are signed, you'll be um, announcing these upcoming. Yes, absolutely. On you your know I will. Instagram I'm relentless. And other things, relentless in my posts. Looking forward to that. Um, but thanks again, Christina, and congratulations again on just the acclaim the Thank show's gotten you. and everything over the last year. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for tuning in. Please take a moment to subscribe to The Hollywood Podcast for free on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Until next time, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Max Geshwind. Thanks for listening.